When they are dying, tell them a riddle. And when they laugh, let the gods of nature finish what we have started. Welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. Ethan, we are moving on. It's been a little while. We're back in the saddle. This is episode number 70, Double or Nothingness. And I think we've got a lot. Or is it? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, come on, man. Is this really happening? Are we really going to have this conversation? Are you actually here? I mean, we're socially distanced right now, man. I haven't shaken. We haven't shook hands, right? This whole time we've been we've been distanced. And and are we are you really here or is it are you just a figment of my imagination? OK, I see where you're going with this. Um, how can I put your doubts to rest? OK, hold on a second here. Oh, God. Lee, Ryan, you really closed the distance across the room quick. Well, you know, sometimes. And that hurt. Yeah, that, it, it was kind of supposed to. I see your point. There. You're actually here. Yes. Thank you. Have we settled this issue? Uh, I, I feel, where's my totem? Yeah, we're good. All right. We're good. Can we move on now? Yeah, yeah, let's All right. do so. What was the episode again? It is episode number 70, Double or Nothingness. Uh, right. At least 70 by my count now, since you have corrected me. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of uh, inside from our pre-production meeting. Um, it's a good thing we're both here to direct each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so as I have stated a couple of times now, Double or Nothingness is the episode. Um, what do you think? You want to just start at the end? Do we do we do do we do the quote now? I'm gonna. Have, uh, have you forgotten your where how we do this show? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> trivia. But, trivia. Yeah. Okay. Right. Trivia. Trivia. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I don't have any trivia. It's me. Huh? That's my responsibility. You do the trivia. I do the trivia. Oh god. Thank goodness. Okay. Ethan, you saved the day once again. Um, and by the way, your cheek is still a little red. It's like in the shape of a, of a finger. I know. And, it stinks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, stinks. that was real, folks. That was totally real, just we, so you all we know. We figured we had to sell this. Yeah. So. Ethan does his own stunts. That's true. Yeah. Um, hey, here's a pretty good stunt. Why don't you do that trivia? Actually, my sternum does hurt just a little. <laughs> I nailed that thing. Anyway, yeah, trivia for Double or Nothingness. Hey, why don't we talk about directors? Okay. Let's talk about David Winning. He's the director for this particular episode. At the time of his uh, directing this episode, David had actually had stepped away from Andromeda for several episodes, nearly two seasons, in fact. The last time we saw his work was early in season two with the episode Last Call at the Broken Hammer, which is one that we happen to like. 
In that time between Andromeda episodes, he has kept plenty busy directing episodes of Earth Final Conflict and Dinotopia. He'll have four more episodes to his credit for Andromeda before we get finished with season five of the series. This episode was written by John Welpley. And he has been a writer for many TV series since the late 1970s. Of particular note... I'm sorry, did you say... What was that name again? <laughs> Welpley. So your face is looking kind of Welpley right now. <laughs> I see what you did there, sir. But, um... Uh, he has been an, a, a writer since the late 70s. Of particular note, he wrote several episodes of MacGyver, Earth Final Conflict, The Outer Limits. He wrote the episodes Suddenly Human for Star Trek The Next Generation. And for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he wrote Invasive Procedures from Season 2, I do believe. We will see a bit more of his work in Andromeda in future episodes. Colin Cunningham. He plays Shig in this episode. Since the mid-90s, he's been active in series like The Commish. There we go. There's our Commish call-out. Ding. The X-Files, Dark Angel, Smallville, Stargate SG-1, The Collector, which is, that's the name of the series. Ironic, I know. The 4400, Eureka, Falling Skies, and spoiler alert, he will return to reprise this role of Shig in a future episode of, of Andromeda. Andrew Jackson is his cohort in this episode. He plays Lipset. He is another prolific actor who has appeared in series like Stargate SG-1, Earth, Final Conflict, Smallville, The Collector, again, Irony, Kyle XY, Warehouse 13, and the Dark Matter series. He will also return for another episode of Andromeda as Lipset, since the spoilers are already broken. Derek Lowe plays Chin. He has made his rounds as an actor and stuntman on film, such as uh, Romeo Must Die, and shows like Smallville, The 4400, and The Man in the High Castle, just to name a few. Colin Fu, he plays Kun Sa. He has appeared in series like Millennium, Dark Angel, The Outer Limits, Smallville, Eureka, V, the series, and The 100. We also have Christine La Liberté. She plays Dylan's mother. To her credit, she has only a handful, Andromeda, The Sweetest Christmas, and The Good Doctor. She actually works as a costume designer for Andromeda and for other series as well. So nice to see her in front of the camera rather than doing her thing behind it. And finally, Gerard Plunkett returns as Blood Mist, our second favorite Magog. And it is the same actor. That originally played Blood Mist in season two, yeah. at the or the end of season one and into season two as well. For our second favorite Magog, I have to say, there is quite a canyon between our first, second, and our <laughs> the fall off first, first favorite and our second. It's favorite. quite yeah. quite a bit of fall off yeah. there. I agree with you. I do agree with that. And that is what I have for trivia. Okay, man, you nailed the trivia. I really like that. Um, so this next part I'm also looking forward to because I actually did some homework on this. And that homework consisted of me texting you and saying, hey, whose summary is it this week? Yeah. And much to my delight, you reported back to me that it was your turn. That it's handled. Yes. It is handled. Yes. Therefore, the summary for double or nothing. Yeah, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm hosting this week. I got I to gotta throw that to you. Oh, you're going to do something? Well, I got to throw it to you. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. I, Ethan, I stepped in your way. Ethan, would you like to do the summary? 
Yes, please. All right, please go for it. The summary. We begin the episode with a scene of utter devastation taking place as the Commonwealth Glorious Heritage class cruiser Lancer's Hope is being ravaged by a fleet of Nietzschean cruisers around Almagast, a Nietzschean stronghold and shipyard unrivaled in the three galaxies. A courier from the Lancer's Hope has arrived on Andromeda, bringing the images of destruction to Dylan. Not able to wait for instruction from the Commonwealth High Command, Dylan orders Andromeda to jump to Almagast to assess what has happened. They arrive to find nothing. No debris? No Nietzschean fleet? It seems nothing, in fact, has happened. They contact the Nietzscheans on Almagast and are greeted by Shig and Lipset, two Nietzschean collectors that appear to have taken their wardrobe cues from Emperor Ming. They invite Dylan to come to the surface as their guest and to discuss the situation. Dylan agrees, but crash lands on the planet when a solar hurricane sweeps over the planet, disabling his slip fighter and Andromeda as well. As the crew comes to, they quickly realize that they are in trouble as Rami, in her shutdown state, inadvertently expelled some hallucinogenic gas that begins affecting the crew in strange and sometimes hilarious ways. Dylan is taken captive. He's then released and then taken captive again by the collectors. As they run Dylan through a series of elaborate, life-threatening scenarios that test Dylan to his limits. All the while, the collectors are taking bets from across the galaxies via the worst Zoom meeting ever, betting on how much and how soon Dylan will break under the pressure they put on him. Eventually, Dylan gets wise to their game and turns the table on them, forcing them to wager four real stakes. Dylan puts up his own life as a bet for slip fighters and the freedom of Almagast's slave workforce, to which the gamesters of Almagast agree. Allowing Dylan to return to Andromeda, they take their last shot at breaking him, sending a dark Dylan to Andromeda that the real Dylan has to fight. Rami steps in and kills the fake Dylan. Dylan cashes in, securing the freedom of the Almagast slaves and leaves the system with several wings of slip fighters in tow. So, uh, a lot of flair in this episode. Of course, we have the solar flare, which uh, proved to be pretty important to uh, the beginning of this plot. Um, and then, of course, with Shig and Lipset, there's the dramatic flare. Yes, certainly. Mm-hmm. No Rick flair, though. Um, no. A little disappointing. I was waiting for one of them to go, woo! <laughs> yep. 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 Did I step on your joke? No. Oh, okay. No. Because you, you, you felt like you had that one ready to go. Well, I mean, it was in the barrel. I wasn't planning on pulling the trigger, though. So I'm glad that you did. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, this is this is why this dynamic works. I serve it up, you spike it yep. right across the net. Yep. And the other way around, too. And the other yep. way around, too. Yep. You, you are the shig to my lip set. Ah, very good. Very good. I don't like that. I want that back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really like myself a little less, <laughs> having said that. Okay. Uh-huh. You can't. Okay. We're, we're, that's staying in. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, this was a really busy six and a half minutes to get into this episode. Do you realize it's six yes, and a half minutes? I did, actually. That was something I, I noticed because when we finally started the uh, the opening title sequence, I, I hit the my pause button just to see how long did this take? The yeah. cold open was six and a half minutes long. Yeah. That's... Mm-hmm. I, Nothing funny. It's, it's just an observation. That's uh-huh. all it is. Six and a half minutes. I, I feel like the show is 
you know, they're pushing some boundaries here. Mm-hmm. They're they're breaking up. Uh, they're, they're breaking the mold. You know, the, what we've gotten used to two minutes and we're in. Right. Then mm-hmm. it's title sequence time. And I found I was. Oh, have I seen the title sequence? No, I haven't. And then I just like you when it started, I had to look to see what time it was like 638. Yeah. So, yeah. Good on him. Good on David winning for doing that. Uh, you know, so I started out uh, talking about the flair, and I mean, of, of course, like I mentioned already, this show was was just full of uh, what I think they wore thirty two pieces of flair in this episode. Oh, I I got it. That took a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's why I missed it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about this flair for just a little bit. The solar flare. Um, a couple of Hold things. Hold on, I think I've got a TGIF pin or something I can put on here, <laughs> just for. <laughs> oh, sorry. Took a it looks little, good. I took, I took it too far, didn't it I? Looked good. No, no, I like okay. your flair. I okay, like your flair. You. Um, here's what I don't like. I don't like the flair in this episode, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, so the solar storm. First of all, the Andromeda is wicked fast, right? I mean, it can go like 90 PSL. Yeah. We've, we've seen it go that fast before. Um. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> this this solar flare is coming at them, right? And they're just saying, "Oh, there's nothing we can do. We have to shut down because here it comes." Um, I'm thinking maybe just zip around and hide on the backside of the planet. They get to that, but they let the thing hit them first. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, problem with that. We know that the Andromeda is super fast, so that's one problem. It, it should be able to escape this. The other problem is that, um, did you see how fast those solar flares were going? Pretty darn quick. Yeah, let's put this into perspective, real world, right? Do you know how long it takes for a solar flare to get from the sun to the earth? It's days. Yes. Yes. On average, about four days. 93 million miles. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. And, you know, for any other planet that's inhabited, you know, I mean, this is a fictitious planet. We can pretend maybe it's closer. And I believe in the exposition we got early on, it's ridiculously close to the star. Yeah. Even still. I mean, not so... You're not buying. Not so close that anybody could actually be down there on the planet. True. Right? Yeah. I mean... You're right. I don't know. It's it's still... for, For the solar flares to get to this planet that quickly, I mean, it would have to pretty much be in the corona of this star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Nearly instantaneous, which is what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I see your point. All right. So anyway, don't like that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so Dylan gets word that this glorious heritage uh, cruiser, uh, what was it? Lancer's Hope? Yeah. Uh, has been destroyed, Right overwhelming Nietzschean forces have taken it out. So what's the man's first decision? Um, go straight there. With his own glorious heritage class ship, that uh, the same class that he has just seen overwhelmed and blown up. Let's take ours in there instead. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, are, are we seeing a problem? No, I don't think so at all. Because here's what Dylan knows. Something that Dylan knows is that the other heritage class starship cruiser whatever it is it was not captained by dylan hunt (laughs) well you've just shot holes all through my 
my argument then. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, you can edit that out. Pretend I didn't say that. Please, let me hear your no, argument. because there's really nowhere else to go with that. Oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't seem reasonable, but then we wouldn't have a show either. Yeah. So, I see your, I see your point. So, when, when Rami wakes up, um, she embarrassingly announces that she has accidentally released some hallucinogenic gas. So... Let's just pretend like we're not sophomores here. Let's just say, let's my, just, my inner 12-year-old yeah, love this. Let's just, just move past the fart jokes, all right? <laughs> what what does everyone do when they first wake up? Cool, Andromeda does too. So. <laughs> I like that. Yep. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're past that. Okay. We're at least juniors now, right? Right. Okay. So here's the other problem. Um, we know that this is an issue. Harper calls up to the command, and he's like, hey, uh, I'm kind of feeling funny. There's something weird going on down here. Rami says, oh, yeah, I may have slipped some gas a little bit. Okay? (laughs) So here's what I'm thinking. Haven't we established that this ship has a full crew now? Yes. So maybe a ship-wide alert? Would have been something that could or should have been done. I think that would have been appropriate. Yeah. You know? I mean, it wouldn't have been a big deal. No, that's yeah. an excellent point. Attention all crew. I farted. <laughs> um, so I alluded to it in my summary. The bedding room. Uh, come on. Worst Zoom meeting ever. Oh, really. Yeah. How would you keep track of anything going on? It seemed, it seemed like the people on screen were confused about what they were betting on when they should be placing their bet, how they were going to be placing their bet. I mean, just, everybody had just that solid look of confusion that over the last few months I've gotten used to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just that dazed and confused. What's happening right now? <laughs> I'm just staring at my screen. Uh, Bob can't turn his camera on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now he's muted himself. Yeah. Oh, there's a ceiling fan. Yep. There's a ceiling fan. Yep. There's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the times we live in. Yes. Yes. So Zoom. Much fun. And... And interestingly placed cameras. Yeah. Well, a lot of them were just as confused. At least they looked as confused as I actually felt trying to figure out this whole betting process. Yeah. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a question. First thing, basically Dylan dismisses Harper to go do research yeah. on where they're going here. And so Harper's like, all right, I'll be in the research core where I always am. Um, why does Harper have to do that? Can't Rami just call that information up instantly? <laughs> yeah. Haven't, haven't we established that she can pretty much do anything except hold her air? <laughs> hey, hey, she was unconscious. I know, I know. She was, it just, sometimes it just happens. I know, I It know. just happens. I know, I don't think any less of her. Yeah. Are we but, to, are we to that point in our relationship with Andromeda now? Yeah. I think we are. Yeah. I think we are. That's yeah. big. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we come to the part of the show, the episode, that really bothered me. Okay. At, uh, I've got it time stamped here, at 1837, Shig describes digestive enzymes and uses mouth noises. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Which I absolutely detest because you, the listener, I'm talking to you. Ryan does this during sound check. 
that noise that he just did, <laughs> and it goes right through me. The only reason I do it, though, is because you hate it so much. I know. Yeah. And then Shig does it, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I was I was listening with headphones on, oh, and I was like, yeah. it's, is Ryan in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we know how you feel about this episode. We're done. We're can, done. Can we just... Yeah, because you didn't watch the rest Shortest of episode of Drive Back the Night ever. Wow. Hated this episode. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've still got more to talk about. Uh, do you have anything else to contribute, or is this just going to be me for oh, the next 45 minutes? I, I, I do have further notes. Okay. All right. All right. So let's continue. They just won't be delivered as animatedly. All right. Is that even a word? Um, it is now. Okay. I think if you use a word three times, it becomes a word. So I got to do. I got to do two more times. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll work it in somewhere. Okay. So Dylan's getting roughed up there in the uh, the little restaurant scene. Um. I'm not sure exactly about. I don't know if this, if this was an editing thing or I'm. I'm just not sure about the sequence of events here. Um, here's what happens. First thing, Dylan gets punched square in the nose. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was a hard impact. That's going to break anybody's nose. Even a heavy world. It seemed to hurt him, mm-hmm. but there was no blood. No. No. Um. Except when they cut back to the scene. Except when they cut back to him, and then suddenly he's, his mouth is bleeding just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, while his mouth is bleeding, and giving no attention to it, but it's just bleeding, uh, he gets hit square in the head. <laughs> yes, he does. All right. And then they cut back to him, and now he's wiping the blood from his mouth. Yeah. I, I, I think you need to be worried about your head right now. I don't know. Some some things right there didn't quite line up for me. I think he might have been concussed. Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> I'm. I bet he was concussed from the hit in the nose. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. That's where all the blood went. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, that's a bad hit. Yeah. Wow, that got dark. We should be worried about Dylan. I think so. I think we needed to observe him into the next episode too. Yeah. Yeah, that protocol may need to be in place. Mm-hmm. At least four days after. Everything looks good. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harper, mind you, wearing a red shirt. Oh, yeah. Is, is killed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Poetic. Yes. It, or, yeah. Or tropish. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the what two a, are one and the same. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's, it's a, it's tropish poetry. There you go. Mm-hmm. That was animatedly beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, so he's he's dying, and his last words to Dylan are, in my quarters, uh-huh. uh, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, first off, this is all in Dylan's head, apparently. Mm-hmm. This is this is Dylan's imagination. What is he imagining that, that Harper is harboring in his quarter, or hiding in his quarters? <laughs> and I mean, you talked about going to a dark place. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we want to... Not touch on this as, but I'm interested, uh-huh. you know, I, that's, this is why I bring it up. Right. Well, you know, I would think that he would say something to somebody else like, hey, Becca, I, there's some stuff I need you to take care of. <laughs> really don't want Dylan to find out. 
right? right. Uh, it seems, I guess it, Dylan was there. He was the one that was there. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I think if I'm Harper in that situation, I'm going to look up at Dylan and what I'm going to say is nothing. Don't go in my room. <laughs> <laughs> just, just look at it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, but anyway, it struck me. I, I, now I really want to know mm-hmm. what was he going to reveal? Mm-hmm. Because this is, I'm morbidly interested. Yeah. Yeah. So, last thing in our observations at, and I've time stamped it again, 3937. Just want to point it out there. Just get it out, out in the open. Bad acting flop. Mm. Sorbo does a drop, flip, flop. I don't know how to describe it, really. Yeah, kick, flop, something like that. It's bad. Mm-hmm. I just had to, I just had to point that out. No, you're right, and I didn't write it down. I didn't even give it a second thought. But as soon as you said bad flop, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Bless his heart. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, Ethan, let's get into the meat of this episode just a little bit. What do you say? All right, so something that you said just a minute ago um, in one of your last observations, it kind of it intrigued me a little bit because you're talking about Harper and the things that he was saying and this all being in Dylan's imagination. Um, was it? Was it in his imagination? Because that, that's not really what I was getting from it. I was getting more that this was a simulation that that um, that Shig and, and Lipset Lipset were were doing. Yeah. So, I mean, did I read that wrong? Was it his imagination? Was it a combination of both? Well, ultimately, I think this is the discussion that we have to have about what is this episode showing us? Mm-hmm. Is it showing us a holodeck? Is this a holodeck episode? Uh-huh. Uh, or, and there's your Star Trek reference, folks. Um, well, no, red well, shirt. Besides red shirt. Yeah. Red shirt. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, or is it, is this... Dylan in his mind and they are somehow monitoring his thoughts so that they can see but it just it feels like there's an awful lot of projections and smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. outside of Dylan's body unless I don't know I can't I can't say much more without revealing how I feel about how this episode is made you know what I'm saying okay Uh, I don't want to jump ahead too far but really, I, I am like you. I am a bit confused as to what have they presented to us. Is this a on-screen simulation that other people can watch and bet on? It has to be. Otherwise, how do the people know that what they're betting is being fulfilled, right? Yeah, right. What, how do they know whether they've won or lost? Mm-hmm. So there has to be some sort of screen that's showing what's happening. But what are they doing? Are they putting Dylan in a simulation? Or is it... St- is it Dylan's imagination just running amok and they're unlocking whatever potential to that imagination and bringing up, you know, fears and, and hopes and dreams and things like that. I, I, I don't know where I land on this. Mm-hmm. I really feel like they are somehow tapping into his mind. Um, otherwise they wouldn't be able to conjure up images of his mother. I mean, yeah, that, that that is the one thing that is leaning me toward they're unlocking the potential of his imagination mm-hmm. but at the same time i do think that everything that's happening here is real and physical think about the situation he was able to use that that toxic acid from the enzyme corpse 
enzyme eaten corpse to to loosen the bonds on his on his arm on his right. hands. Right. So how could he do that if that wasn't real? Unless it was built into his imagination that since that's what he's doing, that then it would work. I mean, if that's the case, then what are the limits? He can just imagine himself being able to fly. Yeah. And in whatever situation he's in, he can yeah. matrix it. Except that he doesn't know that. Yeah. Until he figures it out. And then he should know that. Right. But what did he figure out ultimately? He he knew that it wasn't real. Yes. He, yeah. He held that through the whole. That was the whole through thread. Yeah. Is that he knew he was being manipulated? Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. I was I was going to go somewhere else with that. Uh-huh. Was was he being manipulated, or was he doing the manipulation, and it was somehow snowballing, and it was just his mind continuing to move, advance the story forward. Right. And they and Shig and Lipset are just watching watching this right so here's one th- i was i was going to save this for a little bit later but this is a perfect time to put this in here so when he goes back on andromeda when he wakes up and rami and trancer are standing over him in his in his hospital bed this is another simulation yes but in this simulation they're talking about the hallucinogenic gas and the effect that it had on him so playing it off as if he had never left the ship that can't be in his imagination because he didn't know about that. Excellent point. That's something that was part of what what Shig and Lipset did. N- okay. Wait a minute. That, hold on. Hold on a second. Yeah. yeah uh, they didn't even know about that, did they? Yeah, we're getting down to it. Okay. Is what happens to Dylan on the planet and what happens on Andromeda... Are they separate events happening concurrently, or is the whole crew being, whatever, incapacitated or having this... There's a lot of talk about the weapon. You know, these Nietzscheans are developing a weapon, right? And ultimately, Dylan comes down to believing that the weapon is the solar flare, right? Mm -hmm. Some sort of particle beam launched at the sun creates this solar hurricane well yeah but he's it's like he's talking crazy yeah yeah he is is the weapon actually the nietzscheans projecting these simulations and somehow incapacitating the crew so that they are experiencing whatever it is that they're either unlocking in the imagination or projecting onto them yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking so if that's the case then Nothing that we saw happen actually happened. And just like Rami passed out over the the balustrade. Well, past, past gas. You past mean. gas. <laughs> yes, she did do that. But as she is passed out on the bridge or oh, on the oh, command deck. Right. Sorry. I was thinking of a different part. Right. <laughs> I somehow feel like maybe that's the entire crew. And that none of the, none of the Dylan going to the planet, none of the events of Dylan coming back to Andromeda and then finding out it's a simulation again, maybe none of that actually takes place and the whole crew is just incapacitated. And Dylan, we are seeing it from Dylan's perspective. He he is seeing whatever Shig and Lipset, whatever their, their machine is causing to happen, somewhat based on his memories and his thoughts and somewhat based on their own 
manipulations. So then are Shig and Lipset real? Or are they also just figments of this of this whatever this is? All right, is? So, so not jumping the timeline. Okay. We don't know. Okay. If they show up in a future episode, uh-huh. maybe we'll have an answer. Okay. A definite answer. But as of right now, it could be any Nietzscheans, not Shig and Lipset. Mm-hmm. Or it could be them. Well, I asked that because one of the, the questions that I had here is, why are they actors in their own game? That's a good question. Why do they need to be the face talking to Dylan? Could they not just simulate any other imposing figure? Yeah. Right? Maybe yeah. something that's, you know, I don't know, a little sharper witted than they are. And Yeah, as far as Nietzscheans go, these guys don't seem like they're upper echelon no or anywhere near no and they've been given an awful lot of responsibility <laughs> they have <laughs> yes they have um now but i just i just i wondered that though is that why are these guys who are supposed to be in charge of this whole thing why are these the two that are right there in the face of dylan i would think they would be back in their office with all of their monitors watching everything going on and have some sort of a a spokesman for him down there. And, Somebody who's articulate. Yeah. You know. And watching the Gilders roll in. Yes. Exactly. So that's the other part of the thing is that we do get a lot of scenes where it's just the two of them talking mm-hmm. to each other. And it seems like there's a lot riding on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. How is this part of Dylan's imagination? Yeah. Where does that fit in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, unless it is... Unless they are actually there or they are actually players involved in this scenario. Yeah. I mean, it it would have made no sense for us to get that little bit of exposition mm-hmm. or that, that aspect of the, the story. Right. If it was all happening just in Dylan's mind. I'm still left with the question of what was this? Um, how exactly were they able to create the simulations? Cause it's not just for Dylan. It also for everyone who's viewing it on their Zoom, and then also everybody on Andromeda. Yeah. And yeah. they're all being affected by whatever this is, and it all ties together. Yeah. So so I have a little bit of trivia that I did not put in the actual trivia segment. Ooh, bonus and this, trivia. Yeah, bonus trivia. And this seems like the, the perfect opportunity and place to go ahead and drop this in. There was an interview with Lexa Doig in... I forget the name of the magazine now, but it's a trade magazine for basically actors and people that are in the business, right? Producers, executives, things like that. And it's online. So you can, if you do a deep Google search, you could probably find this somewhere. Uh, I accidentally deleted it off my Google doc here. So I don't actually have the reference actually in front of me, but it's out there. Trust me. And in this interview, she actually talks about how Bob Ingalls began putting little narratives at the beginning of each script so that the actors would know what's happening. And apparently Lexa Doig had a problem with the, uh, the dimensional beings mm-hmm. that were showing up. She had a problem because like the rest of us, it didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Where did they come from? Why are they there? Why do they just magically disappear? Right. And we have to this day, to this point, not gotten any answer whatsoever. That was a story by Bob Ingalls, and we saw it repeated again in season three, you remember? So here we are in season four, and Bob Ingalls has started putting these little 
uh, flavor notes at the beginning of each script so that the actors know kind of what's happening in the context of the season. Bob Ingalls apparently made reference to the dimensional beings in those previous episodes for this episode. And when Lexa Doig was being interviewed, she said, suddenly all the pieces fell into place. Which sounds to me like what the actors believed is this episode is explaining where the dimensional beings came from. Because if you notice, when Dylan is killed at the end of the episode, how does he disappear? The, the bad Dylan. The alternate Dylan. Oh, yeah. An okay. alternate very much like the alternate Tyr and mm-hmm. the alternate Becca that we saw uh, at, at the beginning of season two, right? Mm-hmm. Or three. Season three. Mm-hmm. That Dylan disappears the same way. And I noticed that when I watched it. That he disappears the same way that the dimensional beings vanish whenever they fell, too. Mm-hmm. So, Shig and Lipset are responsible for the dimensional beings. Okay, so... And this, yeah. whatever happens here in this episode. So then, did they create the illusion of the dimensional beings? Or... Did they somehow open a, a passageway to this other dimension to let these dimensional beings in? Well, I don't think it's an actual crossing of dimensions. The way I'm he, the way I read it in Lexadoig's interview was they have created something that messes with the minds of our crew, mm-hmm. and so they see these things appearing. And much like this episode, we don't know if it actually takes place. If the, the, the things that they fight, the things that happen to them, if they actually happen, or if it's just all in their minds and they're somehow laying passed out on the deck. Okay. We don't know that still, but this is kind of an explanation for them mm-hmm. if you want to buy into it. Okay. So then why didn't they give those guys to him when Dylan calls for it? He's like, come on, give me something hard. He does reference Do you remember? Them. Yeah. And I feel like that is the, the show saying... You remember those things? Keep watching because you're going to see a guy disappear and it's going to be the same way. That's your explanation. Hmm. That's where those things came from. It's these guys that are messing. It's these collectors that are messing with Dylan and his crew. Okay. Man, I mean, you got to be watching close. Yeah. But in, in that further article in that magazine, it does talk about how the producers realized there are loose ends and they're running out of time to tie them up. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where the writers went with it. And in the writers' minds, this is the explanation for all of this unexplained that we've had up to this point. Okay. All right. I mean... I'm not saying it's canon. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's out there on the internet. Yeah. And if you want to subscribe to it and you want to be good with this as an explanation for all of it, okay. I don't think it's tight enough mm-hmm. to make a a complete answer for me. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I mean, if that is the explanation, then I'm all for it. Like, okay, let's let's do it. But, I, you know, at the same time, I'm also thinking, well, I've watched all of these episodes. I watched this one closely. I took notes on it prepar- in preparation for a podcast that I was going to I was going to record later, which I'm doing now. Um or and you think you're doing it now. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing it. I, I mean, 
I don't know if you're here, but anyway. Um, but no, I I didn't catch that. I didn't put that connection together. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Without having read that, did you put that connection together that, oh, this is what it all is? No. No, I didn't. Yeah. And it wasn't until I read that article that that it was like, maybe. But, you know, normally you read stuff like that and it's like an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Whether you like it or not, it's like, oh, okay, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense fully, Mm -hmm. even in the context of this one episode and comparing it with the others that came before. Yeah. I I can't. I'm not 100% on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because they disappear with the same effect. You know, I also realize this is a pretty low-budget program. They're, they don't have a whole lot of effects. You do what you know. Yeah. You do what you know you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. Um, in any case, that's that's 40 minutes into the show where we're having this revelation, if it's a revelation. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, wait and see? Is yeah. that where we're at? Maybe. I mean... Uh, bring the guys back then. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if, if Dylan is saying, Hey, this is nothing. I remember I fought these guys want this one. Time. You're talking about the dimensional beings. Yeah. 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 If Dylan's, he's talking about fighting those guys one time and you know, so the rest of this, this is nothing. It would be nothing for them to just be like, uh, yeah. Cause that was us. And here's some more. Mm-hmm. Right. It wouldn't be mm-hmm. a, a hard thing to do. And then that's the, a big, climax showdown the ultimate fight with these dimensional beings breaking the whole thing down and seeing except shake and lip set down at the core of the whole thing i will say this we've already seen it happen three times before so that's it's the same scenario it's a lot easier to make a bet on something you've seen happen already right Mm -hmm. and what is the point of all of this we're led to believe it's betting it's money Mm mm-hmm and if they're going to give him a scenario that Dylan has already faced and that he knows, if he sees them coming at him, he knows how to handle himself. Well, that's not very good for the house yeah. to make money off of. Yeah. So, no, they wouldn't give him that same scenario again. Okay. I'm really glad that you said that because this is a wonderful segue to my next point. Okay. Let's talk about Shig and Lipset as bookies. Yeah. I don't know a lot of bookies. <laughs> you know bookies? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that these are the worst bookies in the universe. Oh, yeah. Um, do they understand betting lines? No. Um, no. Okay. Short answer. All right. And why is Shig betting against the house? Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? I don't know. Who I'm, does that that's running the house? I mean, I'm saying that I don't know, as in I honestly don't know. Like, right. if there's something to this that maybe maybe Vegas does something where they try to try to shift the lines. Seems like it might be illegal. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think legality is a thing that they're really worried about here. But point. Um, no, but I would like to know if there's somebody listening. And, and and we'll we'll give our our contact information at are the end. Are you seriously asking? Do. Are you serious? Um, are you seriously asking our listeners how betting works? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because okay. because I mean I don't know hardly anything about betting. I will forward all of those emails direct to your inbox, and I will let you talk about it on a future episode. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to do it. I'm not recommending that people do it. But you know, I mean, there's. 
it happens. So, uh, and at the end of the show, we will probably put out a link also to the uh, whatever helpline out there for <laughs> for betting, right? My, yeah. Whatever resources are out there to help people that have a problem, yeah, we'll we'll put that link on this on this as well. So, yes, be mindful, folks. Yes, so we're we're willing to help them, um, but we would also like them to help us. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now, yeah, I just wondered about that, but then then here at the end we have. We have Dylan's bet. Yeah. So my big question is, why accept that bet? Shig and Lipset, so first of all, I can't wait till this is over so I can stop saying Shig and Lipset. But Shig, (laughs) Shig and Lipset have nothing to gain and everything to lose. Yes. By accepting this bet. Yeah. Again, reinforcing that these two are terrible at gambling. Yeah. What was in that for them? The thrill of the bet. They have a problem. I guess so. There it is. I guess so. That's why he's betting against the house. Shig. Yeah. He's got a problem. Yeah. He can't, you know, you put it, you put a bet out there, regardless of how good or bad it is. If it seems, if it seems like a risk, he's like a moth to a flame. And, and what little I do under know about betting and people that have betting problems, um, that's a problem mm-hmm. because they can't say no to that. And I think Dylan tapped right into that, that feeling and got them to bite. I see. Just... One thing kind of light that I want to hit real quick before I have something else that's a little bit heavier. So let's back it off a little bit. So um, at the very beginning of the episode, we know that we have um, 45 hours to Terrazad, over five jumps. We're going to talk about Slipstream. I'm so excited right no, now. No, it's okay. There's not a lot. Okay. No, but here's what I want to know. Why is it that... We have 45 hours and five jumps to get to Terrazed, but they are literally like 15 seconds away from Almagest. Plot. Okay. All right. Well, then, I mean, let's pretend like it took longer to get there. They're in the area. They're in the area. That's fine. That's okay. fine. But, I mean, it literally took like 15 seconds or less. I'm, I'm being yeah. liberal here. Yeah. Um, I mean... Go through the slipstream, and when you come back to the bridge shot, maybe not show them standing in the exact same spot. Right, right. Give, <laughs> give us an hour. Yeah. Give us an hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. No, because plot. I okay. mean, really, I, I could sit here and try and come up with something witty. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not feeling it. All right. But, but to me, it's not plot. It's not a plot thing, because we can pretend... Like it, let, let, me, let me back that up. We can accept that on screen it took less than 15 seconds to get from where they are to Almagest. I'm just saying, Almagest, don't you mean, or a few more seconds and it'd been Almatoast? <laughs> Harper, sorry, <laughs> do that one there. You know, <laughs> Dylan. 
kind of liked it, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, yeah. He kind of gave him a look and kind of a half smile. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I like that, but I'm really stressed out right now. Yep. <laughs> so I don't want you to know that I liked it. <laughs> like, right. I don't want you to start thinking we're friends now yeah. or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I feel like any, if this had been season three or before, I think Tyr would have given him that look. Yes. The whole, that was funny, but I don't want you to know that I thought it was funny. Yep. All tear. I miss him. <laughs> yeah. Tear for tear. So, uh, anyway, just, just, to, just to sum that up, okay, just let us think that it took longer than what you actually showed us. Yeah. Okay. Can we do that? I agree. Am I being, yeah, too, no, am I I being agree. too nitpicky I agree. here? If we were paying attention to details, but we're not, so this is what we got. Oh, I'm paying it. You, you mean... Them. No, them. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I'm paying attention yeah, I know, to the Yeah, I know. I know. I am too. Okay. But yes. Them. All right. Okay. So here's really the big heavy point for me. Oh, we're not moving on to the next segment? No. Wow. I got, I got a big one. Okay. I got a big problem. Okay. I got a big problem with the Commonwealth. Well, I talked about mine, so I guess here's your... Oh, are we back on this, that old chestnut, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, because there's a big one here. Um, do we not recognize that apparently the Commonwealth is dealing with these slaver scumbags manufacturing um, weapons and, and, and slip fighters? Where's all this stuff coming from? This... Yeah. It's a it's an entire fleet of slip fighters. You know that that little detail slipped right by me. I did not pick up on that, but you're right. It is it is the the slip fighters that we are used to seeing that are only in high guard vessels. Mm-hmm. That's what they had. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it came out and said it explicitly, or maybe there's something around this that I missed. But to me, it sure feels like the Commonwealth is contracting these two scumbags yeah. to produce weapons. Because for them. they had, you know, a primo yeah. facility. Knowingly with slave labor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they gotta get their materials somewhere. Yeah, you're right. So war's if dirty. Your war's dirty and if you've got to deal with a few, you know, underhanded characters. You know, do the means, do, do the positives outweigh the negatives? And that's the that's the math that the high guard is capable of doing because they're so far separated from it. Mm-hmm. They, they can do that math and they can say, well, it's, it's giving us good, good product. So we're going to keep doing business with them until maybe we can find something else. Mm-hmm. But we're going to accept this badness for, for the time being. Right. Seems like an equation that's being done a lot in the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Just not to draw too fine a point on it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. As far as a galactics-wide uh, or galaxies-wide government, seems like par for the course. Man, the Commonwealth sure came out of this smelling like a rose, though, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? they did. I mean, come on. Yeah. You contract all of this work to be done using illegal slave labor, inhumane conditions... And then you send, well, they don't send Dylan in there, although I'm kind of maybe thinking maybe they did. Maybe, maybe what's his name at the beginning, the courier. Yeah. 
You know, maybe he was sent yeah. in there from the Commonwealth. And, um, and the Commonwealth is like, yeah, we got that Boy Scout out there. He's uh-huh. close. Let's let him go. Yeah. Poke his nose in it. And I know clean that this he's. Up. I know what's going to happen. He's going to go in there. He's, <laughs> he's going to figure fix out everything. the game, <laughs> and he's going to bet his own life <laughs> yeah. in a battle to the death. And then he's going to get us all this stuff for free. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the puppet master now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the slaves are free, but we don't care about that. The point is... A happy byproduct of the situation. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Except now, there there goes their workforce. Yeah. How do they recover economically from this? I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, they have to be counting on that their order has already been fulfilled. Yes. And now was well, the time to yeah. go in there and free it all up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Highgarden got exactly... What they wanted. Everything. Mm-hmm. They got their fighters. And, and here's the other thing. Dylan is in a hurry to rush off to Almagast and investigate the situation. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have taken five minutes to put a call in to say, hey, is the Lancer's Hope missing? <laughs> and then five minutes later, get a report. No, the Lancer's Hope is uh, they're, they're over at Glitter Dust. Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're docked over there on shore leave. They're fine. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, uh, yeah uh, a high guard courier. Yeah, you, you, false alarm. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go to Almagast. It's, it's smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. I'm saying in a different timeline, that's probably what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you wonder, man. It does. Mm-hmm. It really does. Who are the gamesters, really? Yeah. I'm thinking the high guard is yeah. is is pretty. They are definitely upper echelon. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've definitely outsmarted these particular Nietzscheans. I I do believe. Well, from what I've seen of the most of the Nietzscheans, it's not yeah. that difficult. They're they're not as smart as they like to think they are. Yeah, not that difficult. All right, so we're done with that. Uh, what do we do next? Quote. Yeah, quote. Quote. All right, <laughs> here we go. Hey, Ethan. Sir, I've got a quote for you. Okay. All right. When they are dying, tell them a riddle. And when they laugh, let the gods of nature finish what we have started. That was from Sigma T? Tay? Sigma T? Sure. All right. Director, Cultural Archives, University Library, Commonwealth Year 760. So I don't remember exactly where we are in the timeline, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like 9,000 years. Yeah. Something like that. If the Commonwealth is 10,000 years old. Long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I can I start off here? Please. Because this is directly coming out of the conversation we just had. That quote sounds very arrogant and feeds very nicely into this idea of what the Commonwealth is or what it perceives itself to be. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't know. It just seems, it sounds very heavy handed. And here we've been talking the last few minutes about the Commonwealth basically just playing everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that this quote in that light, in the context of of that discussion we just had, I don't know. It appeals to me. It seems right. (laughs) And it seems to reflect uh, the the high guard or or the Commonwealth thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of think of it a little bit in more of context with uh, with the game that they're playing and the fact that we're talking about Nietzscheans that are running this. 
Yeah. So, okay, so when they're dying, um, when the Commonwealth is dying, from their point of view, when the Commonwealth is dying because we're going to slowly kill them, we're going to bleed them off, tell them a riddle. This whole episode is a riddle for Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they laugh, when they think they've got it figured out, let the gods of nature, or as the Nietzscheans would have it, basically natural selection because they're the fittest so they're the ones that are going to survive um so let this the gods of nature finish what we have started because the nietzscheans have started this whole movement of the the uber man yeah that's way better reasoned than my initial comment oh thank you i was making it up while you were talking wow i was not listening to you could you do yours again no okay no no i'm not going to (laughs) no i'm kidding but and you you delivered it very animatedly oh that's three it's a real word all right we're gonna twitter that out did i say did i use twitter as a verb (laughs) are you millennial uh stop it i'm not a millennial stop sorry sorry so anyway i do you think there's any more that we can squeeze out of that? I don't. I don't. I, no, your response does sound very measured because from the Nietzschean perspective, that quote does make a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, except yeah. that this obviously wouldn't have been made by no, a Nietzschean. at all. Mm-hmm. They weren't even created at that point. But this was just some quote that somebody found from a long, long time ago. And they're like, you know what? This sounds like and, something a Nietzschean would have said. Yeah. And mm-hmm. contextually, it works mm-hmm. in the scenario that we saw play out. So, yeah. No, it, ma- it makes perfect sense. Yes. I, I, I like this quote. Well, thank you. You know, I think it's kind of one of those things. It's like a fortune cookie. You know, you read it and you're like, um, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. But I can form it <laughs> to mean something in my life. Yeah. Right. Because that's what people do. Yeah. Um, I, I think I feel like that's what I did with this quote because I'm looking at this quote and I'm like, this doesn't have anything to do with anything. I, I yeah. don't I don't feel like honestly, but, I, it, but it works. I mean, I made it work or it can it can work. <laughs> we can make it work. Good on you, sir. All right. Yeah, I win. I get a cookie, a fortune cookie. They're not bad. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. All right, Ethan, let's go ahead and finish this one up. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you. Your final thoughts. What did you think of this episode? Oh, Ryan. Okay. Um, I've got a lot here. Okay. The exposition, there's a lot of it. It doesn't make much sense to me. The Lancer's Hope responds to a distress call in an unallied Nietzschean stronghold slash shipyard. Why would it be there to begin with? I mean, Dylan honestly should be asking questions about what they were doing in that area. Hmm, yeah. Uh, the courier flees the scene and delivers the message. He dies on reentry. I, I feel bad for the actor <laughs> that played this because he's there and he's gone. Six and a half minutes. That's all he gets, really. I wonder how far... This is maybe a little too late in the conversation to bring this up, but I wonder how far they can project these simulations. Was the courier even real? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the point that I'm trying to make here is... Sorry, we, well, we I'll get off your feet. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. No, it's it's a valid point, and, and I'm glad you've made it for me. Was the guy even necessary? And ultimately, yeah, you get to have another actor on your show, so from a production standpoint, yeah, sure, why not? Sure, but we want to pay somebody else. Sure, exactly. <laughs> There's plenty of money for everybody, of course. But did it make sense in the story, and ultimately... No, because he's not there 
and he doesn't really contribute anything except to lure the Andromeda into the bad situation. So we've got that going on for it. We've got that happening. Uh, Dylan outsmarts the collectors. Dylan fights himself. In all of that, it was... It, again, we, we've talked about this before. It felt like action for action's sake in a lot of the part. Like the, the whole scene in the restaurant, I was just kind of tuned out until we get to the point where he sees his mom. And then what's going to come of that? Well, it, it's a MacGuffin. The editing, the way this story is presented is hodgepodge and broken up. And you have to be really paying attention to get to what I feel like is the heart of this episode. And what I feel like because of that interview that I read and what little bit that I've pieced together going back and watching it again is that they're trying to tell us that the collectors and the dimensional creatures are somehow related. And as we talked about before, I'm not a hundred percent positive that that's what I'm being told, but that's the only thing that I can grab onto that I can say, well, it makes this episode worthwhile and interesting because otherwise it's not that great of an episode. And so, I don't know. It, there's no hard lines being drawn here. So you can take it or leave it. If I take it, uh, it, it makes it more interesting. If I leave it, this is a throwaway episode right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then as I discussed earlier, spoiler alert, we're going to see these collectors again. These, these two particular collectors. So somehow, we're going to revisit this. And I think what I come down to is I'm going to reserve judgment on this episode until after I see whatever the next episode they show up as of right now, force lance to my head. It's not that great of an episode. The force lance doesn't work in here anyway. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's just a figment of our imaginations. Uh, I think I'm going to start where you left off. Okay. Okay. Um, well, actually, a couple sentences back from where you left off. As far as reserving judgment now, uh, because if, if there is more to come, which apparently there is, and uh, so we can find out a little bit more what's going on with these two. Um, but as far as, if we start to work backwards from there, though, um, let's see, the dimensional tie. Uh... I'm sorry, but you had to explain it to me, and and I study this show carefully, and so, you know, I'm sure there are probably people out there that are smart enough that they could have caught this on their first viewing, possibly even in its first run. I can't imagine, but if you did, then, man, kudos to you, because to me, it just was not there until it was explained to me. And then I had to be like, yeah, okay, maybe. I mean, I guess I can kind of see that. So as far as this being a tie in, uh, as far as this being a tie up for that loose end for the dimensional beings, uh, I don't care because I didn't see it. It wasn't it wasn't done well to me. Um, as far as just the whole everything else going on in this. There, there are so many things that it kind of just kept reminding me of. Um, from, I'm just going to say it, there were several Star Trek episodes that I feel like they pulled from. Um, I mean, the Talosians 
feel like there's there's a Talos thing going on here. Um, I feel like there's uh, the episode where Riker uh, has the sun, and it turned out to be the alien oh, yeah. just reading his mind and trying to make everything like what he thought it should be. Yeah, he dreamed up Romulans. The, yeah. the kid read Romulans from Riker, uh-huh. and that was the whole the whole scenario. Right. Right. Escape from the Romulan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'd forgotten of that. And episode. it was Minuet that messed up the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, I mean, you alluded to it in your summary. The gamesters of Almagest. The gamesters of Triskelion. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have you have all these things kind of working together yeah. to try to make like this Uber episode of that's the second time I've said Uber in, in this issue. So I think if you use it one more time, you it, own that word. It's a right? real word. Then it'll be a <laughs> is real that, word. Wait, is that what we've escalated yeah. to? Yeah. <laughs> Trademark Ryan Mazzaco. <laughs> But, you know, so those are those were all episodes of Star Trek that I really enjoyed. I also really like steak. And I really like Jell-O. <laughs> I can see where you're going with this. But I don't want to put steak in my Jell-O. Yeah. I, that doesn't sound appealing to me. Yeah. Um, this episode, they put a lot of steak in my Jell-O. Yeah. And it didn't really make sense. I don't like being at this point now where we are at sitting in front of the mics and we're having to ask each other live on the mic, what exactly happened in this episode? Yes, exactly. I, I mean, again, I'm not going to pretend like we're just like these super genius, smarty pants guys that can figure everything out about this stuff before anybody else. Well, the fact that you use super genius guys yeah. in a sentence like that indicates just how low on the totem pole we are. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we're smart and stuff. We ain't we ain't stupid or nothing. Right. But... We figured out technology yeah. to do this show, <laughs> right? Yeah. We get, There's something to us. Yeah, I think there's a little bit. But we're not up here. No, no. no. We're... Uh, but I don't like being at this point where yeah. we're here in front of the mics and looking at each other saying, what exactly did you did get we just watch? Did you, did, did you get it? No, I didn't. Did you? No. Did you, you didn't. You no. didn't you, so you don't know what happened either. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and here we are. Yeah. So there we are. Um, I'm going to have to mark an episode pretty low if we're at this point and I just can't really definitively say that I understood exactly what happened. Um, unless it's going to be explained further in a future episode. Yeah. And so I look forward to that explanation. But then again, if that explanation is as messy as this dimensional beings tie up, then. Hey, and, and, and shout out to your future self. Yeah. When you're listening to this podcast, maybe at a future time, Mm -hmm. maybe at that point, someone has explained gambling and how it works to you as well. Yeah, maybe. So you may have learned that too. Yeah. There you go. Right. Silver linings. Okay. All right. So if anybody else out there does understand gambling or if they understand this episode, Ethan, how might somebody get a hold of us to let us know about these things? Well, they can send us an email, and we certainly appreciate those emails. It's been a little quiet in the uh, Andromeda podcast. That uh, might be our fault. (laughs) It's a lot our fault. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt there. Um, So, yeah, they can send an email to drive back the night podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the social medias. We are on Facebook and Twitter 
at AndromedaPod on both of those locations. We are on Podbean. That's where you can find every episode of Andromeda that we have made to this point, including show creator Robert Hewitt-Wolf, um, Ethley Ann Fair, like hair, and uh, as well as some of the actors. Hey, uh, let me do a shout out right quick to a guy that interviewed us, Matt, mm. over at the Tabletop RPG podcast. He does a little podcast show over there in which he interviewed us about the show that we're doing that you're listening to right now. And so you can find that episode. Also, he has interviewed Ethelie Ann Vera, and she had some interesting insights that she brought to the table for that discussion over there with regards to Andromeda. You mean she held back on us? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in Ethelie. Wow. Ethelie, come on. Oh, we, we need to have you back on the show again. We, we got we got some ground to make up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also he uh, interviewed Robert Hewitt Wolf, and again a better interview than what we did. Hmm. I'm just going to say it out loud. Is it us? It's us. Huh? I'm pretty sure it's us. All right. <laughs> no, I'm proud of the work that we've done. But definitely go go to uh, Tabletop RPG podcast and uh, give Matt a listen. He 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 does really good work over there. And if you're interested in hearing more about Andromeda or this show or the people that were involved in it, uh, he's he's a fan. And so uh, go give them a listen. I totally derailed our conclusion. That's okay. Go ahead and mention the Apple Store. And you can find that show and ours on the Apple Store. So just search Drive Back Tonight and uh, it should come up in Apple. Once again, as always, good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice for the beginning quote in this episode. Uh, you know, another show that's been putting out some pretty good content lately here is the Age of Geek podcast. We've been and, busy uh, over there. Yeah, and we uh, this show here does fly under the flag of Age of Geek. It sure does. So check that out, Age of Geek podcast. Where can you find them? Ageofgeek.podbean.com. I forgot my own. URL there. <laughs> well, something that you can't forget it's unless been, it's been a while. <laughs> well, something that you can't ever forget unless it gets deleted is Harper. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode when we consider the episode Harper Delete. This was a question. This <laughs> is a statement. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, excellent. I was like, are, are we there? We're doing that? Okay.